damn it. Already out the gate. Seriously. Um, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Heidi ho I'm going to just, like, like, gag and clear my throat and stuff and <coughs> just try to sound sicker than you. And that way, it'll kind of offset. I right? I don't even know what the hell. I woke up this morning with a swollen throat, and yeah, it I is. Woke ju- up, I woke up with an itchy eye. Uh, yeah, we're both an, a little I have under an earache in my eye. Oh, or something that sounds terrible. That's actually a Cheech and Chong thing, but yes. Oh, is it? Um, we're uh, again Sans Hunter this evening. Sadly, um, he still yeah, has he's, some. He's victim of an invasion of the relatives. Yeah, yeah, he's got family stuff, so uh, he won't be back till what next week, I think. He's going back, so yeah. But uh, for this episode, we have two guests, and this is their second time on the show. So we're welcoming back from Mod Made Games, Christopher Sheldon Dante, Supreme Commander from Boston. Hey, how's it going? Hey, and Andrew Richardson, lead developer, and he's just north of me in Glendale, California. Yeah, I'm joining you from the Los Angeles branch of Mob Made Games. My God. <laughs> it's so funny that you're new to L.A. And it's like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> I've been here for a decade. It never gets over a decade. And it never gets old. Um, Hell, well, I'm loving it here. Oh, it's the best. It's uh, the, only, the only downside really is the drought. I mean, we yeah, had a, it, it rained today. You know, it's raining right now. I think, and you know, I met so many wonderful people in like video production and writers. So many great artists here. Oh yeah, this is the place to come if you want to meet the if you want to meet uh, you know artists and stuff. They're just they're coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> Can't go to a Starbucks <laughs> without seeing someone writing a screenplay. So uh, we are here to talk about. Uh, it's been almost a year since you guys were here. Did you know that? It's been almost exactly a year, like you were here last April. Jeez, really? Has it been that long? Yeah, so it's been almost exactly a year. That's crazy. So I believe the game was just called Voidborn then. At least that's the title I had for the show. But now it's Descendants Voidborn. Yeah, so we really like the name Descendants. That's what we were calling it originally, because, you know, it's about your descendants as they explore the stars. But it turns out there's a lot of other games named that, and a band, (laughs) and a movie. So we figured as an indie game, we had to pick a title that was unique. So we have a, you know, a two-part title. It's Descendants Voidborn. Did you guys look and see how many other space games have the word void in it? Before you did that? I'm just asking, because there's a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah, there's a good number. (laughs) <laughs> well, we don't have the word star in it, so that's true. we're a little that's bit true. separate. That's true. But there are just so many things being done to voids. They're being yeah, born. They're 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 expanding. They're doing all sorts of things. You know what? You, what you <laughs> should do is put "of the dead" and "might and magic" in the title somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris. What about Voidborn or Might and Magic Voidborn? Oh, or no. Descendants about, of Might and Magic. What about, what about that? Void, uh, void of the Dead, Born of Might and Magic. Oh, wow. cool. there it is. You guys like and, and you win an award for like longest title too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, always, about that. I'm all for adding on like uh, just crazy titles onto it. So like you know nine thousand and just random numbers and digits throughout the title. Descended, blood, blood, descendants, void born, blood of kings. This time it's personal. Return <laughs> of, of the, Omicron 2. Of the dead. 
Man, that would get you no stuff. See, what the fuck is this game with the long ass title? Somebody needs to make a game called Free Candy. <laughs> oh, sounds creepy. That sounds no, very it's creepy. Like it operates down by the river. I don't well, know. I mean, I mean, there's already shower with your dad. How much creepier can Steam? Well, there was shower with your stripper simulator that came out too. No, wait a that. minute. Well, what? maybe it was like make it rain. I don't know. Why? No, it's, it, it's it looks like it was done by the shower with your dad guys, but it's like a it's a pole dancing stripper game. What? Yeah, it's on Steam right now. Oh, for like God's sakes. Let's not say the name of it. Let's not buzz market. I, I right? can't even remember what it's called. That's it's good. Redonkulous. That's good. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. I got a weird cough today. So hello, everyone, in the chat room. So we're here to talk about your, if I recall, quick playing, risk legacy-like, kind of roguish strategy game where you jump from like one era to the next you do something you die you do something you die something like that am i remembering yeah, this correctly yeah that's you, you got the gist it's basically like a, a fast-paced strategy game um but it i don't know it kind of at this point doesn't exactly resemble any existing genre 100 percent. it's more sure. like a, a weird hybrid of uh maybe tactical 4x and a little bit of like roguelike FTL story style in there too. Right. Now um it's been a year since we played, so give me like a, a bullet list of what's happened since then with the game. Sure. Uh so if I can remember where it was the last time we played, uh Well <laughs> I was looking at the video today just to refresh my memory, so I'll throw it at you. Basically the game was like one ship, you flew to a planet, you blew stuff up. That was basically the game. Uh, back then. Uh, all right. Well, so depending on what features are working in this build, and sadly there may be uh, a handful of missing ones. Um, since then we've updated the UI. We've added a system for interacting with colonies. Um, actually probably the, the most significant change is, uh, we've sort of, we sort of rethought a little bit about how, um, player choices could have lasting impacts on the world. So instead of having, um, uh, so the, the way we basically do that is we have, uh, missions that we present the player with and those have the capacity to actually change what sort of missions you get in the future. Oh. Uh, so, so like to give an example, if you, you might get contacted from, by some local rebels and they'll tell you that they need weapons and then you'll get the choice of either, uh, delivering, um, weapons to them and trading for nuclear arms or uh, contacting the government and rooting those rebels out. And based on which of those two choices, you could end up with either a totalitarian regime or a area of space that's sort of str- uh, in civil war. Oh, okay. Um, so, so it's interesting. I, I, uh, yeah, the last time it was basically just flying around and shooting stuff, but this time it's like, your, your boy has been kidnapped. Go here and save him. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that, actually, that feature... The whole system for missions, unfortunately, we only have that one mission in right now um, because I, I was working on uh, – we've done just a ton of work in the past month. Um, totally redid the UI. I updated the way the map generation works. Um, uh, the controls are totally non-intuitive, but if you hit uh, semicolon when you're in that tactical view zoomed out of your ship, it'll actually, uh, sorry, it'll actually pull back and show you the whole galaxy. And then if you hit L, it'll zoom back into your, your current uh, ship. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's pretty big. We switched from sort of having the galaxy stream in around you before it was technically infinite, but it was hard to get your, your bearings. And we sort of switched to having uh, about 5,000 stars per galaxy um, with, you know, each of those having places you can visit. Right. So when, so remind me, once you move to a system, what can you, you can build, it looks like you can build stuff in this system. Yeah. So if you uh, click on your current system, then there will be a list in the bar on the left. And each of those things, if you click on them, will give you details about what they do. And then you can choose to play them in that system. Oh, um, okay. It looks like I've run into a bug where this guy will not go away. Actually, uh, <laughs> that's quite possible. How do I, um, uh, I actually don't have the, the live stream open. Is there a way I could get that on, uh... Oh, yeah, sure, hang on. Hang on, I'll, I, th- I thought I'd, hang on. Yeah, so if you search for Space Game Junkie on YouTube, yeah, it's a live channel. But it looks like the cool reptilian dude, uh, won't go away. Yeah, it won't. Well, you know, reptiles, they can be very persistent. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he's not going anywhere, so it, it, I'm going to hang on. Well, I'll talk about this guy as long as, as, long as he's on the screen. As long as he's on the screen. Yeah. yeah. So we don't have a name for this race of people, but the idea is they're snake-like, but their head is covered in prehensile tentacles that they use to manipulate things. Um, yeah, and they have a um, sort of a background in genetic engineering, um, and this is sort of a form that's optimized for space travel, um, for zero gravity and fine manipulation of things on the ship. Oh. All right, so it looks like, I'm just looking at some of the buttons here, it looks like you can uh, build things in a system, but you can also attack the defenders of that system, and then what, when you destroy all the defenders, you take over the system? Uh, so the way that so the systems actually aren't owned by one player. Um, technically, oh. other players could come and build things there too. Um, oh. But the opportunities about what you have available to build will depend on sort of you know uh, your standing with those other those other players. Um, for example, if you've got a, a a faction that's more focused on military, um, you might get opportunities to actually uh, instead of having those cards just be building new things, some of those cards will be taking things from other players. So there's both sort of offensive, political, economic uh, ways of interacting, all simulated with that system. Oh, nice. Right, I'm going to close and restart since I can't really do anything. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I was aware when I sent this build that it had some pretty major bugs, but well, I wanted to, to get you something with the new features, too. Well, that's, well, that's fine. fine. I mean, you know, early access. That's what it's all about. You know, early access, ladies and gentlemen, it's said in the bottom... Uh, right corner development build and this is very uh where would you say this is alpha beta this is probably alpha i'm guessing yeah this is yeah sorry yeah this is definitely alpha um actually in terms of timeline uh the nice thing is all of those changes i've been making to the code base recently mean that we're not too far off of having something that's that's a little bit more um stable and something we could put out and actually start having people try out oh Um, so I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that we could have something like that in the next few months. Oh, nice! And, and is that going to be like a crowd? Is that a, oh yeah, you guys are going about to launch a Kickstarter, aren't you, or something? Am I am I getting my nope, developers uh, you, confused? 
You're, you're absolutely right. We were going to do the Kickstarter um, actually uh, on the 4th, but we've I think we've decided to, to push it back just another month so that we can oh. hopefully have a, a more complete build that we can show to people. That's fair. Get them, let, let, allow them to play something before they... That I've, I've noticed a lot of successful Kickstarters uh, give folks a demo to play, like um, Overload. Recently, the, the you know the descent um, the descent folks they uh, had a playable teaser folks could play that uh, mm-hmm. I think really helped push their campaign over the edge. <laughs> it was the eleventh hour, but they made it. You know, yeah, we're trying to decide uh, if we should uh, you know put in a, a real push and and the effort to get a playable you know solid build out for a Kickstarter. Uh, do do you think that's worth it? Worth it? I know. Oh, yeah. I, we're really motivated to like by the prospect of showing the game to people to getting it out there. That's why like, you know, for this podcast, we were like, how many features can we put in immediately uh, to be able to show them? What's he shooting at? I don't know. Oh God. Oh Jesus. Right, as long as this guy's on screen, I want to give a shout out to Victor Kalea, uh, our, our character artist. Um, okay. That was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what happened. Oh, crashed again. <laughs> Whoa, I've never seen this view. <laughs> I don't the, know. The, risk, the risks of uh, of showing an a, a in-house experimental build. Well, see, uh, sp- uh, fans of gaming like me and people who like Space Game Junkie love seeing how the sausage is made. That's why they come to see the podcasts. You know, Q and A stuff like that. So this, I mean, I know early access is a double edged sword. Like, you don't want to show people, oh my god, everything's going to break. But at the same time, we, I mean, it gives us an insight into how much hard work goes into these things. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, <laughs> and you know, a real testament to that hard work is I have seen a lot of bugs, and I haven't seen this bug. <laughs> development is always new and exciting, exciting uh, <laughs> things to fix. Yeah, I have no yeah. idea what's going on here. I'm pretty sure that uh, <coughs> that what happened is the ship, somehow the camera is floating ships way too close, and it's just not exiting out of that, that, uh, that combat uh, state. Yeah, uh, Chris, can you press escape to get out of the scene? Uh, nope, or press nope. Q to end the animation. Try, try, try pressing uh, semicolon and then L. We'll see what happens. Actually, I did press Q and it quit the game. <laughs> okay, that's fine. We got the we got the funny space ghost coast to coast uh, experiencing technical yeah. difficulties thing. Yeah. So you know that's always fun. Uh, okay, it's too bad that show's no longer on. Oh, I know. I was such an addict of it back in the day. I never missed an episode. Oh my god! They had some pretty great shorts introduced on that show too. Uh, yeah, I actually found a torrent that is all the episodes of Space Ghost. Ghost wait, what? What? Yep. What? Mm-hmm. You, please send me that. I need. I need that very badly. Uh, if for, only for, for a small fee. If only for the Weird Al episode. That's probably one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> That's the one that always sticks out in my memory. Okay, there we go. We're back. All right, so the goal of the game, let's t- let's talk about the gameplay since uh, it keeps crashing. The goal of the game is to basically, what is it, expand as much as you can before your current character dies? Uh, so the goal Something is like to that. 
Uh, kind of, yeah. So the goal is to amass victory points. Um, oh, so okay. basically, you're you're competing to be the most influential uh, faction in that individual era of of uh, of the galaxy of the galaxy's history. Oh, okay. So, so, so like, go on. No, uh, I was going to finish what you're saying. Then I want to ask about these eras that you have that we can select here. Sure. Um, so the so I was just going to say that the basically all of those things that you can do the missions the building things and systems fighting other ships um, trade although it's it's broken in this build although the other build we build we sent to has it um, and upgrading your ship all of those things can interact with the basically they're basically methods to amass influence um, so oh. you, you use them to interact and, and gain points. And your ship, unlike a lot of like four X games or whatever, it looks like your ship is like your avatar. Yeah, so <clears throat> you actually have a handful of ships. So if you've played XCOM oh, okay. um, or any tactical strategy games, sure, um, you you can switch between uh, your four or five different ships and use them to interact with your systems. Exactly. Oh, okay. So, so you have like you have a team of ships. Yeah, are, are they all out on the map? at the same time or you activate them and then it appears uh they're all out on the map at the same time so if you uh once the game started actually if you look in the bottom left um it has details for your current ship and it also has portraits for your other ships um so you can you can click on those to switch between them oh okay let me do that oh i see oh there we go yeah oh Uh, i see yeah, basically, so the, the the motivation behind that was, uh, I, I don't know if you guys have played like Civilization or, or any of those games, um, it can take a really long time to finish because there's this, there's sort of like a big pacing issue at the beginning and end of the game. Um, yeah, oh yeah, well that's a common problem with a lot of grand strategy games is um, the early game is so exciting, you know? Yeah. The early game is like, ooh, discovery, excitement, and then slog, micromanagement, slog. Uh, try switching ships. I'm not sure why that's uh, why it's not a. Uh... See what this strikes me as, and I may be way wrong, but just the appearance, it's almost like, um, wow, my brain just locked up. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what's that old game that you just got on the Genesis? Uh, Starflight. Starflight, yes. I was thinking Star Command, and that ain't it. Um, but anyway, it's almost like Starflight with multiple ships. It does kind of right? seem like that. Just, like you like go into the planet, and then you mess with the people there. Um, but do you do you actually own planets, or you're just influencing the planets? Uh, you you influence them, but you can own things on the planets if that makes sense. So, like, you could build a um, nuclear reactor on a planet, and you would be the group that gains, you know, credits and influence for doing that um and you'd be able to visit it and, and get benefits of, of that okay so so it's not really like you're you're playing as like hey, here's here's my 10 planets and i'm building things and sending them out and it's not traditional 4x in that way it's yeah more, it's more like a, you journey around and, and do things in a place yeah exactly well we wanted so so basically the the pacing in normal 4x games has has uh, a really slow pacing to begin with because you uh, don't have a lot of units and so you end up waiting and skipping a bunch of turns. 
Um, and there's yeah, some exploration a- after that, and, and then the end game, uh, as you're well aware probably, sort of gets this this glacial pace where you have so many different things that you're you're switching between to control. The micro yeah. just gets insane. That's, well, see, that's the thing that I find in in every 4X game, like Civilization on up, right? Yeah. Is is in the early game, it's fun because you're you're building, but then at, once the once the other X's are gone, right? Like the whole explore thing is done, and everybody knows where stuff's at, and everybody owns stuff, right? And at that point, you know whether you're winning or losing. Because yeah, and if, if you only have like a couple planets and the enemy is already sending like big fleets over, it's like, well, it's time to start over again. Um, Brian, but- try sorry to interrupt one sec, but it, try starting up the other build. I'm just it'll also give an interesting example of where we were a month ago. So okay, no. let's see. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, Jim. I, I, I that you're absolutely right that um, uh, you know, with with those with four X's in general, that's a pacing. You know that. That's true of almost all of those games, and sort of when we when we approached this, we were originally thinking like, you know, we're going to make a four X. How can we fix that? And what we ended up with is you know very different than a traditional four X. Um, but the, that's sort of the motivation behind that ship centric control. Um, it means that at the beginning of the game, you still have that really like fast, interesting play. Um, you're not waiting, and at the end, you instead of having you know overburdened with micro, you have this big empire you're managing, but you're still visiting it one location at a time. Oh, yeah, because that's that's a thing in games that uh, has has always kind of bothered me in the traditional 4x is that build queue, and, and yeah. it's just like, hey, how about like let me have a pile of money. And if I can afford it, just bam, it exists, right? Like the 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 barrier to building something shouldn't be like, okay, I have to wait on the shipyard to like knock together enough production to do it. It's just like, do I have enough money? All right, there it is. And you know, but it's yeah, I, I, and I can see in in this. Well, how how do how does currency work in your game? As far as is it a, is it a money economy? Is it influence stuff? Like what what kind of currency systems do you have? So yeah, there's two primary resources. Um, there's there's uh, like money, which you know I think is probably some sort of cryptocurrency because why not? Um, and then there's your influence points. Um, influence points are more of a scorekeeping thing. So money is really the primary um, tool, primary uh, currency used for exchange. But on top of that, every system you visit actually has its own little commodities market, and you can see that in this build. And this build is from what two months ago. We've completely yeah. changed the user interface since then, as you can yeah. see. Whoa! Yeah. So if you click on, if you zoom in on the system here, um, in the bottom right, you'll see an option. For, uh, sorry, in the bottom right, you'll see an option for trade oh. when you click on click on the system. Oh, interesting. So click on the star. Yeah, and so actually we have the commodities market in. I just haven't migrated it over to using the new user interface. So if you've ever played the game like um, Drug Wars or uh, actually, honestly, if you've played, uh, I'm sure you guys have played uh, space trading games like Elite. Elite oh, of course. Or, uh, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, so a lot of those games use a commodities market, and it's it's kind of fun flying around trying to find price differences. Um so in this, not only can you you find those differences, but you can actually help make them um, by uh, you know 
by the missions that you complete. <laughs> like creating those shortages will will affect the prices on the planets. So is there any sort of a diplomacy thing where not beyond the the people on the planet liking you or not, but can you be like an emissary to another planet and and kind of be like a matchmaker, like hey, let, you know, let me talk to you about making peace with your neighbors over there, and you guys can get a trade route or something. Yeah, try yeah. pressing tab to go to your next ship. Okay. Yeah, actually, oh. there, there absolutely is uh, diplomacy like that. So okay, there's I two see, types like, of trade ships going back and forth between those planets. They at least they look like haulers or something. Yep. Yeah. So the so basically, uh, one thing we keep track of in the in the game's logic is regions of space and what factions and groups and organizations are present there. So uh, you can have pretty complex relationships um, between different factions. Uh, you might have a central government and another faction that serves as the military for that government, and all of our politics are mitigated through that that uh, that mission system. So. If you're playing as their military, you'll get a lot of uh, directions to go and, you know, conquer and defend and do what a military does. But you also might get opportunities from other players to do things like uh, have a coup and overthrow the central government. Oh, that's cool. So, like, if if I want to cause a war between two planets for my own benefit, I, sure. I, I would assume there would be a reason. Like, could I could I start smuggling guns? you know, to the guy that I want, you know, it's like to the underdog, right? I can, I can start taking him weapons, maybe steal technologies off a neighbor and give them to him on the sly or something. And, you know, it it seems almost like this is a game where the game should be playing a traditional 4X and I'm running around in it meddling with it. Yeah. So actually you you have a really interesting question there, which is sort of, uh, or I mean, sorry, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm getting this wrong, definitely let me know. But it seems like there's a, there's an interesting point there, which is it seems like you know you don't have that traditional role of just total omnipotence. I can directly control everything in my empire every turn that you have in a four X. So what is your motivation and goal as a player, and like what drives the play? Is is that accurate? Well, that, that yeah, partially that, and it's and it's more. There's part of of this that is just like a statement, right? Which, which would be like let, let's say your game is actually galactic civilizations or something like that. <laughs> and, and I'm one ship that's in there, but I can go around and, and I can either be a peacemaker or I can be an asshole and, and kind of like influence things that happen between the other virtual players. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's like, Oh, well this guy would trade technology with that guy in a game, you know, I'd open up a diplomacy screen and whatever. Well, here it's, it's kind of like, well, I could go get the technology and then give it to somebody. They don't want to have it. Yeah, that's, or, that's actually exactly right. So, uh, the whole, the, the whole, it's a different perspective for a, a strategy game like that. So it, it, you know, it's 4X from the, the, you know, the perspective of your captains and your, your capital ships. Um, mm-hmm. and sort of, I, I guess the, the, it kind of brings up a somewhat interesting thing, which is uh, Andrew and the, the sidebar has been talking about how the uh, the we have we 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 think of it as almost a card based game, and the reason for that is uh, the way we handle missions is actually pretty cool. Um, if you're familiar with any deck building games, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with like Dominion or um, uh, there's a Marvel deck building game. There's a handful of them out there now, um, but your decisions about which missions and uh, to complete 
basically change the what what opportunities for missions the world is populated with. So as a player, from your perspective, not only do you have the immediate goals of you know choosing which missions to do and trying to get the most points on this turn, but you also have to consider long-term strategy. So if I, you know, is it better for me in the long run to have a war-torn area where I can be a war profiteer, or is it better to have a uh, a more, you know, uh, orderly government where I can manipulate things politically? Yeah, it, it um, kind of reminds me, have, have you played um, Last Federation from Arkham Games? Chris Park made it. Because in that, you play one ship, like you're the last person in this race. And there's like, I think, five or six other planets, and it's just, it's one solar system. Mm-hmm. But there's different races on each of the planets. And your your goal is, in a self-serving way, you basically manipulate the politics of those other six races to make them fight each other or make peace with each other or whatever happens to suit your personal agenda. Um, but it, it's basically a diplomacy manipulation game. But then it's it's got a um, like a turn-based ship combat, almost a bullet hell thing that's going on in there. It's really <laughs> strange gameplay, but but it's it's neat though. Um, but it's it's just kind of like I, I kind of there's some elements of this that kind of remind me of that. Although this is on a much grander scale because you're you know you got a bajillion stars out there and whatever. Yeah, that's actually, it's a really interesting, uh, I, so I feel like I've heard of Last Federation. I think I may have even yeah. watched a Let's Play of it. Um, you know, another, it, another game that is a, a lot like that is Drox Operative, which is a big favorite of Brian's. And, huh. and that's, imagine your game, but it's Diablo. <laughs> that and sounds you're a space station, not a dude. Or yeah. a, a spaceship, not a guy. That That's... Uh, that's basically it. If you don't own Drox Operative, I, I would strongly suggest it. But then again, it'll, your game will suffer because you'll be playing Drox Operative all the time. <laughs> I'm adding it to my. I'm adding it to my list of suffering. So hold on. Yeah, it's definitely like next Steam sale. That's that's a must do, and and it's got really nice co op to it too. Cool. It's definitely a, check it's, that it's out. It's an actiony way to to kill some time. But it's like yeah, you'll go to, you'll go to a planet. And you know there'll be whatever race on there, and and it, it it is it's playing a 4x, and then you're just a meddler that's out in the galaxy, um, and you can go to a planet and they'll and they'll be like, yeah, we don't like those guys over there. Why don't you go kill some of their ships for us, or go find us some artifacts, or you know they give you kind of quests, right? Like go out and do things. Um, and some of the people don't like each other, and you can decide kind of what goes on with that by what you do. Um, you know, so it, it's like, and you can't be friendly to everybody because if you're nice to one guy, somebody else isn't going to like you for it. So it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that definitely sounds worth checking out. And I, you know, I, I have to say my amount of time that I spend playing games has dropped off significantly since I started working on this. And so to try and like make up for that, I've been like watching let's plays and doing things in the background, but it's just not the same. I feel like I've missed out on, you know, uh, a good, 80% of my gaming time over the past two and a half years, so. Yeah, it kind of has that effect on on doing that, because it's, you know, but but then again, it's kind of like, you know, you come home and it's like, well, what can I do? I have a decision point, right? Like, I can screw around on a game, and that's time I'm not going to get back, or I can make my thing. And, you know, so it, it's definitely time better spent. 
I think somebody has the YouTube channel on in the background. Uh, is it playing through on, on the audio? I'm not getting it. Yeah, Chris, I think it might be you. Do you have the YouTube channel on? Uh, I have the, the live stream on, but it's muted. Oh, uh, so someone just tuned in, and they, I noticed Michael asked about the persistence mechanic. Um, do you guys mind if we talk a little bit about that? No, go ahead. Um, all right. So, yeah, so uh, the way the persistence mechanic works is, um, I'm not sure exactly when you tuned, when, when, uh, you tuned in, Michael, but uh, the, the individual era, so the gameplay is divided up into basically eras that are chapters of the history of the galaxy. Um, and for each one, you're sort of competing to get be the most influential faction in that era. Um, what happens, though, is at the end of that of that specific time period, which is when a certain amount of influence has been accrued, uh, there's like, I think it's a thousand per round right now. Um, then we sort of say that's the end of that chapter, and uh, we simulate a little bit of time, and then you have... Uh, the option to play as the descendants of civilizations from that previous match. Um, but the the world persists. So if you set up interesting uh, economic situations or you've set up, um, you know, you've built colonies, you've built industries, those things will stick around um, with just a little bit of variation just from that time simulation between eras. Oh, so things kind of continue on the course that you had them on but it won't be in the same state whenever you get there, right? Like you guys simulate like how many years, like a hundred years, a million years or something. Well, we're, we're still actually playing with that. So um, right now, uh, we, you know, it's something that's, that could be in the final game anywhere from uh, a few dozen turns to being uh, significantly longer than that. Uh, as it's, it's actually set up right now so that it's down. I, I don't even think we have it put up to anything right now because that's just how we've been, we've been playing with it. Um, but, uh, the nice part about it is, uh, or I, I guess that the, the interesting part is if we do simulate time, um, the longer that is, the more chance that gives us to give, uh, interesting, uh, places to discover that happened while you weren't playing. Right. Um, so it's sort of a trade off between seeing what you did and seeing, uh, a lot of things that unfold that you get to discover as a result of what you did in the earlier games. Yeah, no, one suggestion I've got about that, and you're probably already thinking about it, I just want to reinforce it, is whenever you do generate that timeline of things that happen, keep keep a detailed log of what happened, because people will really like to read that, right? It's like, hey, I set up this chaos, and then the chapter ended, so what what did that actually bring about, right? And you, And since it's procedural, you can have some pretty interesting stuff go on because it's like i don't know if you ever played dwarf fortress right but uh, whenever you go to start that game it simulates like hundreds of years of history before you even start and then you can just go you can like read the history of the world that you're about to inherit yeah i I love dwarf fortress um but we're we're actually going for a a minimum of time between eras Uh, we really want you to experience the chaos that you've set up um so the we we do make some tweaks between eras, but they're um, they're mostly to set things up so that everyone is in sort of a good starting position to to do a little bit of balancing um, and to just it's really if a game lasts uh, two hundred years, 
um, then the the time between rounds is probably going to last you know twenty to fifty years. So oh, yeah, a, really a very small amount of time. It's not the the universe is going to be pretty much as you left it. So the, the example I like to give is if you uh, expand a great deal and conquer a big swath of the universe, then um, you know you might win that round, and then between rounds your empire will fracture and a rebellion will start up. And then in the next game, you're sort of playing as one of those fractured shards of your previous empire. Okay, so it's it's a, like a little bit of a reset button because even if you're, if you're clobbering the game or if you're maybe doing poorly, it kind of puts you a little bit back on the center path. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you don't necessarily have to play as the same faction that you were playing as last time. Um, you sort of get to choose uh, freely between rounds. Yeah, we, we might have we might have a mode that forces you to play as direct descendants, but right now it's not set up that way. It's set up so you can choose any any factions from the current era. Okay, so what actually triggers the era to change? Is that a is that a thing like okay, that one race their empire fell or something and then and then it's like okay, well, now we know we're done here or so, you know, what what makes the curtain fall? Yeah, so uh, actually it's it's determined right now entirely by that bar up at the top. So that uh, in the top left, you see there's a victory bar with sort of different colored stripes on it. Yeah. Um, when that bar fills up, then uh, I think every player gets one more turn, and then the, that ends, triggers the end of the round. So that bar is showing you who has victory points. Um, and so when the, the total amount of victory points that everyone has gets to the end of that bar, then the round is over. Um, and some things give you a lot of victory points, some things, some things give you a little bit, but basically the entire game, it's slowly inching up there. Um, and of course, if somebody does something that's really, really influential, they'll get a ton of points and they might push it over the edge. Um, but that serves as both the scorekeeper and a marker of how far along you are. And, and right now, I have to say, I was playing with that the other day, so... If it looks somewhat random, it's because the scores are sort of modified dynamically at the beginning, just randomly, to test out some features on that bar. Yeah, so another question, which was about, have we played Ascension? Um, I actually have not played Ascension, although you are the second person now who's mentioned that to me. Have you played that, Andrew? Yeah, I've played it. That game is great. Uh, where Ascension, I believe, is the game where you are, you're drafting a deck of cards and then you use your deck to attack monsters. There's sort of a tableau of monsters you can attack. Um, and, but it's otherwise kind of a, a card drafting uh, game, if I remember correctly. Sorry, I was muted that whole time because I was coughing up a fit. But I wanted to ask you about the cards for each system. They seem to be different. Uh, for each system I've been encountering so far, like this one, like I had the option to either enslave natives or educate natives. And I like how educating natives unlocks apparently a planet, I'm guessing. Uh, so Alyssa O3A is a, uh, a character that you can unlock. Oh. Um, yeah. So uh, when you encounter a, a new civilization, a new solar system, there is uh, going to be different stuff there. And uh, we know one of the things they can have is uh, sort of pr- uh, primitive natives. And that, that gives you the choice of what you're going to do with them. Um, and then, you know, maybe there's minerals or, um, you know, wildlife, uh, biodiversity. Um, and, and all the cards are things that you can play locally in this solar system to develop it. Um 
and you know these are sort of benefiting you, but they're also sort of modifying the map for everyone. Uh, oh. I think Alyssa O3A is like a you know someone from the uh, uh, from that civilization that when you educate them, uh, she will join your your empire, and you can recruit her uh, to 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 one of your ships. And what does that do? Does that give that ship a bonus? In uh, some yeah. respect? Yeah, so uh, there's the hiring button. I think we turned that off because it's extra buggy uh, down in the bottom right, and that allows you to hire crew members to your ship. Uh, so that, that you're, it, it's a very ship-centric game, and the two main things you can do to upgrade your ships are equip items and hire crew members. Um, and, you know, you start with sort of... Uh, a variety of, of characters you, you can recruit to, uh, you know, be the captain or the medical officer. Um, and then as you do things like research technologies or encounter new people um, or, or visit new systems, you, you get additional people that you can recruit. Wow. So your ships can start off much different at the end of a game than they were at the beginning because of recruiting, but also because of uh, it looks like you can do upgrades and such. Yeah, exactly. And one of the cool things is that ships also stick around between games. Uh, so if you upgrade a ship really heavily in the the in you know early on, um, and then some of that technology is lost um, in if, if an empire falls or the factory is destroyed, then that ship will kind of stick around with uh, with technology from previous games, um, or maybe characters who are from a, a race of people who have who since gone extinct. Um, the captain of your ship could be the last remaining member of a race that you were playing as in, you know, many games ago. Right. So if I go to a system that someone's already built up, I think I saw this in the last game where there are already existing things in the system. Can you, if someone else has built them, could you take them over or destroy them and hurt that other empire? Uh, no, not really. So you, you take the options away from them. Um, so, uh, you know, th- those, those opportunities are no longer available for other people to play. Um, oh. yeah. And so those, those are sort of your things. Um, and eventually new opportunities will spawn. Um, like you created a factory there, but maybe, um, we, we haven't put this in, but like the workers there might unionize. That would be a different, uh, a different opportunity that would come up and you could, you could take that opportunity. You could play that card, but someone else could, could take advantage of it also if they happen to come by the system in your absence. Yeah. I've actually been doing a lot of work on the sort of our internal modeling to, to add layers of complexity and uh, build out, you know, the, the types of things that we can do in terms of how we introduce those new opportunity cards. Oh, so right now I am both players. I see. Yeah, yeah. So it's set up as a hot seat game right now. Um, and the reason for that is that our AI was mostly just randomly moving around because we haven't done a big push for that yet. Ah. Um, so, and I, I wanted to have some way for players to compete. This build's a little too unstable to make that really viable. But uh, the the plan is in the next month or two, mm. I'll be able to put out one that is a bit more stable um, where you can actually test out some of the, the competitive play. Okay, Chris, this bug is hilarious. I think he just attacked his own ship. Like, a There's ship attacked itself. Oh, that's oh. totally possible. I changed the way the action system works, and I don't think I put in any checks to keep you from attacking yourself. So I, lo- I want to I ask, because I love missions, 
and and I love the idea of, of little snippets of tasks. Like, go here, do this, you'll get a thing. Uh, so, how do missions work in this game? Like, are they like are they kind of quests? Like, a planet will say, "Hey, uh, go do this for us," or an empire will be like, "Hey, we need your help with this." But you were also saying something like you can be in the military as well. So, uh, little, so like, can you like be in the military and have military missions, and or can you be a civilian? And have civilian, more civilian-focused missions. Yeah, exactly. So um, you play as a faction, and your faction uh, sort of has properties to it. And those are actually things that can change. Missions can change those properties. So you might start the match as a military for another, uh, another faction. And if you do that, you'll get missions that are military focused. So they'll be defending your colonies, conquering new colonies... Sometimes other things militaries might do, like providing relief or evacuations to people. Um, those will be things that, that come to you sort of directly from uh, your role as the military of that government. But I, I think I, I was mentioning to, to, to Jim earlier, you can also get missions like from enemies, like they might support you economically to overthrow your central government. So, so you could change your role by doing that type of mission. Um and that's sort of that's sort of where like the the inspiration from card card deck building games comes from, um, in that you can think of the missions almost like uh, a hand of of cards that you're drawing from the world around you, and one of the things those cards can do is change what what's what missions are available in the future. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. So uh, I wanted to ask because um, something you said reminded me of this. I've been playing. Um, have you guys ever played the real-time strategy game Seven Kingdoms? I've not played Seven Kingdoms. Okay, it's it's a very economic trade and espionage-focused RTS. There's combat too, but this is a game where you can uh, have a spy be uh, it conscripted as a military person for another empire. Hmm. And the great thing about that, I'm just going to go on a rave here and then I'm going to ask you about something uh the great thing about that is one time i was playing and my guy actually became king of another empire he he got promoted to general and then got promoted to king and then after that i switched him so the (laughs) so the empire became mine i never fired a shot it was great uh that's that that, that's really rare but i was going to ask you since you you talked about um switching sides and whatnot. Will there be any kind of intrigue slash espionage type stuff you could do? Like go spy on these guys for me, you know, something like that. Yes. Like that? Uh, yeah. So actually, <laughs> yes, that's something we're planning. So um, it, it's still going to be mitigated through the mission system and the existing card mechanics. Um, so the idea there would be, you might be able to, to spy on another player and see what missions they have available or have uh, opportunities to, to sabotage them. And those would come about as a mission to, you know, transport a spy somewhere or set up, uh, you know, a cover story for a spy so you can get them into their ranks. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. So, yeah, I I was really, like, desperately over the past week trying to get it in so that I could I could show... Don't um, worry about it. Don't don't worry about it. I mean, I'm, I'm really liking what I'm seeing so far, and from what I'm seeing in the chat channel, people are liking what they're hearing. But well, again, people understand this is a uh, 
this is a um, very early access. And I think I am using the latest build, Michael, uh, in the chat room. I'm pretty sure I am. Yeah, I think you are. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure I am. Yeah, it's unf- so the, the other thing is um, the other thing that I didn't quite have time to put in for this build is in our old in our one of our older builds we had uh, the ship upgrades and it was this this sort of clunky mix between 3D and 2D. Um, so I have this really nice sort of uh, in progress uh, change to that, which is instead of having it be um, instead of having like buttons that hover over the ship to click, I've actually added some little like pretty simple 3D models that and a holographic shader, so you can like highlight areas inside of your ship and then swap them out. Um, so that I'm excited to to reveal that once that's uh, that's functioning. <laughs> Right, so I, I meant to ask about this earlier, but I got sidetracked. So right now, only the modern era uh, works, but it looks like you can have different factions in each era. So I wanted to ask first, uh, how are the factions chosen for each era? Are they randomly generated? Or, so, the, uh, so these will be determined by your gameplay. So uh, the new factions, one of the things that completing missions can do is actually create new factions or kill off existing factions. Oh. So uh, all of the so this is actually su- supposed to be the history of the galaxy so far, where we we generated. Uh, I don't know how many eras are there, but we generated however many leading up to the modern modern era. Um, right now, uh, the the some of the specifics some of the- on that generation process are still sort of just you know proof of concept. Um, but the the plan here is to uh, be able to actually trace back the histories and stories of these different groups that are now in in the world. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So, so okay, now, now that we've talked about factions, what are the different eras? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so, so the eras are sort of our term for the different games. So uh, each game that you play, that, that race to get the most victory points, would be one era, one sort of chapter of the history of your world. Oh, okay, so you can start at any era? So basically the idea is that every game you play is an era in the history of the universe. Uh, we sort of seed the, uh, the history with, uh, with multiple eras. Um, but then once you start, every game you play adds to that history. Um, and so you can look back at the previous eras and see a, a chronicle or a history of the entire universe. Oh, I see. But you can't start off as one of these. You can like look them up like this is these guys and this, these were these guys, but then like this is my era, this is what I have to choose. Yeah, so it, it sort of gives historical context uh, to your factions. Um, when we release, we might actually force you to start at era one um, and start at very low tech with no real history. Um, but you know, for right now, we, we sort of wanted to give people... Uh, an idea of what the the world is like, and uh, oh. and show this off. Right. So and, if and you if you play through a game and uh, and and end the era, um, then uh, then you know if this is era six, then the next game will be era seven. Right. So it's it seems like since this is pretty quick moving, uh, it would be very well geared for multiplayer, and you do have a multiplayer option. So tell us how multiplayer is going to work. Like, how many players can you support? Will things be even faster than in single player? How do you, how is multiplayer looking? 
Yep. So uh, right now, so we haven't actually started on the online multiplayer. So uh, what, what we have in terms of multiplayer right now is just the hot seat, but we are planning to add it. Um, the, the intended uh, way that that will work is you'll we'll, we'll probably limit it to no more than four players online. Um, we may have an option for more, but that's probably what we'd recommend just because it's turn-based. And um, my rule for turn-based games is that you want the amount of time it takes other players to, to perform their turns to not take significantly longer than it takes you to figure out and plan your next turn. Because otherwise you end up being bored while you're waiting for them to do stuff. Right. Um, yeah, so the the multiplayer uh, will have a will have an option um, to so first of all, one thing is you can you can continue in the same universe. You can also choose to start a new universe. With the multiplayer, what we'll do is we'll let players um, select a universe to play in. And so that could be one that you've worked on yourself, or it could be a shared universe that's sort of linked to another player that you you join games together with. Oh. Um, so you could create a history together is, is sort of the uh, the idea there. Yeah, oh, so you that's... can create a, a history sort of saved on the server and then uh, you know only play that history when you're with the same group of people. Uh, so you, you guys can explore that, you know, do that history together. Uh, but oh. what we, yeah, we're sort of uh, very aware that turn-based games have the, the potential to be boring while you're waiting for the other player to go. Right, uh, right. So we're, uh, we, but like Chris said, we haven't started on the, the multiplayer push. Um, but the idea is that when it's not your turn, you'll still be able to look around the map. You'll still be able to look at things, investigate, um, and uh, we'll maybe give you a little bit extra information, um, like show you all the stats and, uh, you know, really you know, all the dirty details when it's not your turn. Um, and then, so see right now you have five ships. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the other player also has five ships. Um, but for multiplayer, what we might do is interleave the ships, kind of like a squad tactics game, so that your ship goes, your opponent's ship goes, your ship goes, your opponent's ship goes, and that'll keep it faster. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm out of movement points. Damn it. Or action yeah, points. No. Son of a bitch. That's okay. I'm going to build shit. Um... <laughs> I like that if there's no one to fight you can just build stuff and improve a system yeah I I always uh, really focus on the building in these in uh, strategy games uh, oh, I I love, love, yeah, having I love a strong it. empire you know that's, that's the ideal you just want to have a kick in economy so that if you run into any trouble you can steamroll your opponents with, uh, with troops um, but uh, you know we, we are working on uh, other other attacks you can do. Um, we're putting in some different weapons. We don't have animations for them right now, um, but you know, like uh, stu- uh, stuns, ion cannons, um, missiles. Uh, we just uh, changed the animation system so that we could get this. In addition to the cool zoom in that, that happens when you click on things, uh, so that you, we can be able to track individual missiles or individual fighters um, for an. Um, and then I, I mentioned that in the chat, we're working on a sort of. Uh, Planet, planetary bombardment, uh, so you can attack colonies, um, and all of those things. We're we're still working on the animations for them, so that's why they're not in. Yeah, so the the animation system is in, but uh, I, but the animations will be coming uh, coming shortly, hopefully. So 
Right. So now um, I'm getting to a point where I need to start wrapping this up. I apologize. But I wanted to ask a few final questions. So you are thinking of uh, <laughs> launching the Kickstarter in a month or so? A month-ish? Yeah. So what, around early May we're talking? Late April? Uh, I think I think we're still uh, we still have to discuss it, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's that was the discussion uh, or sort of that was where we were headed. Um, I don't want to I don't want to commit to anything final on the the podcast. So uh, what I would say <laughs> is is if the um, if it's something you'd be interested in supporting, the best way to do that right now would be to subscribe on our mailing list. And we will shoot out an email to everyone on there when we launch the Kickstarter and probably one uh, couple weeks leading up to it just to, look, to give them a heads up. I, I have to say both of us, but especially Chris, are real perfectionists. So uh, we, we've really been working on polishing the game, adding mechanics, uh, you know, getting things looking good and playing, playing fun. Uh, and so we, we're aware that we should just launch a Kickstarter uh, before everything is perfect, but uh, we really want we don't you know we really want to feel like we're putting the best out there. Well, my advice is to get the game where you feel re- where you feel ready for people to download it, so you can focus on your new full time job, which will be marketing your Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. That's definitely definitely good advice. Um, I, I think. It honestly, for us, it, it comes down to a, a trade-off in terms of being able to afford rent and food. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, so it, it, if I had my way, I would probably delay a Kickstarter by a good three months to make sure I had a very solid, fun demo that I could just push out um, and let people try out to get a, get a, get an idea of how it plays. Um, but we may end up having to go a little bit before that and and satisfy people just with gameplay and an explanation of the mechanics. You know, I think um I think uh most people understand that a lot of Kickstarter stuff like most Kickstarter game kick, game Kickstarters um uh don't even have any kind of demo or build to share with people. You know, so I mean that's only one part of the equation. If you basically say to people this is our this is our dream, this is our game, these are the risks, just be very transparent, you'll be fine. You know, I mean I I I, don't, I understand this is your baby. I get yeah. that. I I can tell you guys are very protective of your baby. You know? <laughs> and and that is actually pretty fucking please don't take this the wrong way. It's adorable how <laughs> how perfectiony <laughs> you guys are toward this. It really is just really sweet and, and loving. And you can just tell you guys love this, you know? So if you convey that love of this game and what you're doing, sorry if I sound weird, it's because I have another cop drop. <laughs> It'll come through in the Kickstarter pitch and that'll really push you over the edge more than any build. Really? I think anyway. Thanks, man. I mean, if you write it from the if you write it from the heart, and don't have a creepy pitch video, uh-huh. you'll be great. Well, that that's very heartening, I have to say, because uh, you you know you're absolutely right that like uh, it's just it's been sort of our obsession in a way. I mean, the past two and a half years have been just every day working on this, talking about it. 
figuring out things we can do better. And so putting it out there is, you know, it's scary, but I'm also really excited to do it. Um, oh, I just yeah. want to make sure it, you know, takes off. So. Oh, yeah, you could tell in, in every email and, and our conversation here how 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 much love you guys have put into this, how, how much you care about how this game not not even looks, just plays. You know, like you really didn't care about how it looked for me. You cared that it worked and that it played and that it would look good on the stream. And and if you can if you convey that care, I think you'll do all right. Oh, well, thank you. I really hope you're right, and I'm. You know, we'll find out soon. So, yeah, you know, we're a small studio. Uh, it's it's mostly the two of us. I do want to give a shout out to Johan, our uh, landscape artist, and Victor, our character artist, and Gage, our publicist. But you know, as a small studio, this is really like our dream. This is really like the game that we've always wanted to play. You know. And, uh, it's, and it sounds like it has all the right moving parts. You have randomly generated galaxies. You have missions. You have um, all these different types of intrigue, diplomacy, combat, you know, all these different things. And it sounds like every game could be just so different from the last one. Yeah, yeah. That, that was definitely um, something that we really wanted going into it. Um, I, you know, I'd mentioned several times the deck building in- game inspiration from or inspiration from deck building games. Um, one of the things I love about Dominion is that uh, because each game sort of changes what's in play and what you start with, it makes each game play as like a, almost a unique, a unique and new experience. Right. And I, I really wanted to try and bring that over. Um, and, and we both did. We wanted to bring that over with the design here into the, the sort of space strategy genre. Now, since each, each game is going to be almost a self-contained history of a universe... Is there going to be any kind of replay or log or story kind of generated from each game where people can go back and go, oh, that's what happened in that one. That was great. Yeah, so that, that timeline screen where you select your factions at the beginning, um, that's sort of uh, version one of that. Um, and it does give a little bit of history and explanation of the factions when you select them, although the, the text generation there is still, you know, Oh it's no! I'm not talking sort of about. I'm sorry. I'm not talking about your current game. I'm talking about finished games. Can you like go back later, like you know, and look at a diary entry for that game, you know, and see like, oh, this is what happened in game four. Yeah, yeah. You so know? for previous games, you'll be able to go and look at the history of of that oh, universe, perfect. and then um, yeah, and then if you be able to click on individual things, individual factions there, and you'll sort of get a a little history of um, of that faction. Right now, the, the histories are very brief, um, and but um, we're also hoping to add like important battles, important research, or uh, just in all important events to that to that uh, timeline. Yeah, like ha- like have a timeline and like single out certain big events that happened along the way. You know, that'd be yeah. great. Like just a graphical timeline, even. Yeah, I think I think like sort of my my. The, the the image we've both had and that we've discussed, but is, is you know, probably will take second seat to getting some other gameplay things in there, is I would love to have a timeline that you could zoom in and sort of just see in detail oh, the, yeah. the events. Um, and we could have the more important events show up the, the more zoom, the zoomed out you are and sort of show the, the more moment-to-moment events when you zoom all the way in. Um, we do keep track of, of, like, all of the things that you've done, all of the cards you've played, that whole history right. is sort of stored. So it's, it's a lot of it would be building out the interface for that and, and figuring out how best to do it. 
So. Wow. Well, guys, I got to say, uh, this game has come a long way since the last time. I remember the last time you could just fly around a planet and shoot something. This time you actually have some things to do and build. So that's Thanks. awesome. Thank so, you, So we're looking at a Kickstarter for at least a month or so-ish from now. And also, um, I guess my last question is, beyond the Kickstarter, how can people try out this game? Are you gonna, are you, is there going to be any kind of alpha funding that people can buy and do like a pre-order type thing? Or are you just going to have a demo? Uh, sure. We don't have anything like that set up right now. Um, th- honestly, the the probably the only way to, to track us and support us right now is just signing up for the email email list. Um, oh, what, you can what also I follow might... us on Twitter or Instagram, or we've got a YouTube channel. Here, I'll put that that too, and a Facebook. I forgot about the fact that we actually do have someone helping us out with some social media, media presence right now. now. Yeah, we actually update pretty regularly with screens, sh- screenshots and art and stuff. Oh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> so that's that's somewhat news to me, though. I, I like peripherally knew that, um, but yeah. So that's that's a good way um, to to follow us, and I think I'll we'll probably make some announcements soon about the Kickstarter and potentially other other means of support. I know you mentioned, um, uh, you know, like you I, you mentioned something about like alpha support. I'm not I'm not exactly sure. I, I'd have to look into those things. Maybe maybe uh, I know there's a, a t-shirt service from Amazon. Um, that gives you a cut and some other things like that. So we'll look into it. Um, it's definitely a good question. Well, no, I'm talking about like a lot of – there are a lot of people who skip crowdfunding and go like, oh, if you pre-order for $20 now, you get it, you get it on the alpha. You know uh, what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. Or if you pre-order at $30 now, you get an alpha and a, and a soundtrack. You know, that that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's so like sort of around the kick – like in – Almost like in place of the Kickstarter, you could support us by buying through a direct store. Yeah, or something like like, that. like maybe after the Kickstarter, like people can crowdfund after that. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, that's, not crowdfund. I mean Alpha Fund. Sorry, that's what I meant. Out of curiosity, what is your favorite website or platform for that sort of Alpha? Thing? <laughs> oh, oh there usually is not a specific platform. Usually, the developer just has like a PayPal link on their site that says, "Give us twenty bucks." We'll send a key to your email. You know, that's that's that. Oh, yeah, we'll send we'll the download. That you know, that that kind of thing. So yeah, it's it's fairly simplistic. But it's not just PayPal. Some people use humble uh widgets I, I see as well. Mm-hmm. So uh both seem pretty popular in that regard. Um so that's what I would suggest. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna put that down in my uh, to do list, so but um and there's also like sites like itch.io where you can sell stuff like that. Like, so you have options. Um, I'm not saying the Kickstarter is not going to succeed, but I mean, along with the Kickstarter, this could be like, oh, you missed the Kickstarter and you still want to support us? Come to our site and we can buy into the alpha. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that, good. Yeah, I see that quite a bit because I I follow a lot of Kickstarters. Uh, yeah, and we really are working with an eye towards a releasable build right now. Um, that's yeah, sort of yeah. our next major milestone. Um, you know, we've got you know a good looking alpha. We've got all the mechanics in there. Um, you know, we're, we're slowly adding content uh, missions, um, but getting something that's stable and uh, ready for the masses is uh, definitely, I would say, our next step. Awesome. All right, well, uh, I think we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Jim, do you have anything? 
No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, so, folks, uh, well, gentlemen, I want to first thank you for uh, joining us. Coming back almost a year later. Thank you. Uh, Thanks, again, it's been a to talk to you guys. I think it's like, like 44, 44 shows, shows since the last time you were on. Um, <laughs> so, folks, next week is our 50th show, 150th show. And we're going to be starting a new format. Like, we're actually going to have, we're actually going to be experimenting with a format. Like, structure. Which we've never, I, I know. We've never done this before. But we're going to try it. Uh, for at least a few episodes and see how we like it. Um, but yeah, we're going to actually try structure. So that'll be fun. Uh, next week, there's no multiplayer madness this week because I'm going to be out of town. But next week, we're talking to um, our old friend Chris Stockman. This will be, I think, his third time on the show to talk about Fleets of Soul, his uh, capital ship uh, tactical story space game thing. <laughs> that actually looks pretty cool so uh gentlemen i want to thank you again so much for taking the time to talk to us and good luck with your kickstarter in a month or so and with the game folks again the site was it voidborn.com i think yeah, yeah, voidborn voidborn with an e. that's voidborn born with an e uh, dot com uh, you can sign up for our mailing list there we'll uh, let you know when when we have a playable beta right or follow them on twitter or facebook or all the social media means um this will also be linked to in the show notes clearly uh, but folks i want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us and watching us and i hope you enjoy the show and have a good night <laughs>